podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Yeah, hello. Good to be back as always on an unusual timing for us. We're recording on a Friday morning, which probably has happened before. We've probably done this at the Crucible or something like that, but it's pretty rare, isn't it, the old Friday morning record? Well, we've written the rule book up. Um, there is no rule book as far as, talk, <laughs> as, far as talking snooker is concerned, Phil. But yes, I'm, I'm heading off to, uh, well, I'll say sunnier climbs now because we we said a, a very quick goodbye to summer. I mean, it felt like many days ago we had a heat wave here in the UK, but um, goodness me, that that's 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 becoming a memory quite quickly, isn't it? Mm. Quite a wet. How wet is it? A bit, bit, bit Noah's Ark here in London. Not so much today, but this week. What I about you? Not so bad up here, actually, but yeah, not great. But we haven't had the flood warnings and stuff that I've seen down in the big smoke. Yeah, no, it's been really, it's been very, very wet down here. Welcome to the Weather Channel, by the way. This is actually talking <laughs> snooker, but I love small talk about the weather. You know, people say oh, I can't bear. I love it. I, I could just, and I, I love it. I even love when the same old cliches come along. Yeah, I've heard it's ra- oh yeah, a bit of rain on Saturday. I've heard yeah, clearing up Monday. I love all that nonsense. I could, <laughs> I could, I could do that all day. Probably more than snooker, even Phil. I might do that one day. You know. Well, something like not talk, talking weather, maybe, or, you know, weather, small talk. That's something for the future. Right now, it's definitely snooker. And Phil, we have two tournament previews for the price of none here. Two smashing events coming up. Uh, the British Open in Cheltenham and the English Open in, in Brentwood. I know we've been saying it for a while, but, you know, maybe stop saying it now because the season is clearly uh, in full swing and the next uh, few weeks are going to be absolute treat uh, for snooker fans. We'll look forward to uh, to both those tournaments in due course. Wuhan will follow straight after that. So for the players, it's mad. For us that follow the game, it's pretty mad. It's back to back to back, not even a day off. So, uh, you know, our eyes are quite square anyway, snooker fans. They'll be even squarer in the weeks to come. Yeah, and some serious travelling. I mean, they they really are back to back to back with uh, with a trip to Wuhan thrown in there. So... If if anyone uh, is lucky enough to hit a real purple patch in form, then they ain't going to get much sleep <laughs> because they'll be flying here, there, and everywhere. Um, but yeah, you can't complain. This happened a few. It must have just been before COVID, where Neil Robertson went on a real winning streak, and he went and they had a couple of tournaments in Europe. He won the European that one where he whitewashed um, Zhou Yulong in the final, and then he turned up at the Welsh. And I think he said he only played because he was defending champion, but he looked like he hadn't slept for a month. Yeah. <laughs> it was really like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that could be the case for anyone who uh, hits form in the coming weeks. But, you know, after a couple of seasons complaining where there aren't enough tournaments, no one will be complaining that there's too many. Well, they, well actually, I'll rephrase that. They probably will complain, <laughs> but they shouldn't. There'll definitely be complaints because that's, um, yeah, that that's the nature of the game. I think he reached the quarterfinals, didn't he, Neil? Did it did it kind of for memory, didn't he? I mean, it it was it was absolutely yeah, whacked out. It has to be said, you know, there was a time I think maybe around the time you you were saying when a lot of people in the snooker community were saying, well, everything should be bunched together. Some sports do that. F one comes to mind, doesn't it? Very very different sport in every sense. But you know, despite all the faults and sins of, of the F one business, they do group those. 
races in different parts of the world together more so they can sort of save a little well it's so damaging for the environment f1 let's not <laughs> shower it with compliments too much but but at least they do they will do that but of course you know various big hitters in the sport you know from the official doom world said well, it's all well and good but of course you know certain tv companies certain uh, venues you know they want events at a certain time so you can't just really you know we like to bunch all the chinese events together maybe but they want them at a certain time so listen it's a it's a it's a nice problem to have as you say but um there'll, there'll be a lot of crisscrossing and i guess the problem comes when when some of those really really top players if they reach finals you know they reach a couple of these and they they play you know then they'll have to be rescheduled a bit later for the next one so yeah it's uh it's pretty mad stuff isn't it but the, I, I like this British and English being close together first because they've both got a uh, a certain cachet, I think. I think the English could be a little bit better and bigger still. I think that's probably down to venue. Maybe we'll talk about that in a in a, in a wee while. But uh, I, I think they can feed off each other, can't they? You know, the one's ending, one's starting. They flow together nicely. And, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. I mean, the British is just a smashing event since it's come back. And, you know, no doubt this one will, you know, will be just as good. The third edition of the British Open. And that's that's all to come then, Phil, on this episode. But we must first stop for a few moments and pay tribute to Perry Manns, who has died at the age of 82. The left-handed South African followed in the footsteps of his father, Peter, who was a snooker professional, with Perry turning pro in 1961. He will be very much remembered as a famous face from the early days of television snooker in the 1970s, when he enjoyed some really memorable success. He reached the World Championship final at the Crucible in 1978, and then won the Masters at Wembley Conference Centre in 1979, beating Alex Higgins in the final. And as a fair few listeners have pointed out, Phil, he also won Pot Black before those two fine achievements in 1977. And it should be remembered that was such a big deal on TV at the time. Perry Manns continued as a professional deep into the 1980s. His last world championship was in 1986 before he retired. He actually made a comeback to our screens in a seniors Pot Black special in 1997 and he always remained a key figure and a popular presence on the South African snooker scene and his death clearly marks the end of a long era. A famous name indeed from snooker's past Phil and the depth of the tributes from across this sport show uh, just what a big character he was particularly in those days when this sport really started to become a big deal on television in the 70s. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, obviously before our time, but very famous name. Um, and there's some clips you can watch of him on the, on the internet, especially that last frame um, of that Masters win where he beat Alex Higgins in the, in the final. Um, and yeah, looked great doing it. I mean, it, what a run that was through that tournament. It beat Cliff Thorburn, Ray Reid and Alex Higgins. So it's not too shabby, that, is it? And uh, I think it's a bit sad almost. Uh, it, it is obviously an anomaly. It's worth noting that he won that tournament without making a 50. But that's almost sort of... I don't know. It's not an insult, is it? But it's just like it doesn't sound great. But you know, to to do to win that tournament, however you do it, is very very impressive. So uh, amazing stuff. And yeah, world finals when you had to win 
uh, an enormous amount of frames to get through there. Um, obviously, there were fewer rounds, but um, yeah, that world finally got to in 1978, lost 25-18 uh, to Ray Reardon. Um, and he beat, who did he beat on the way there? I've got it here. John Spencer, Graham Miles and Fred Davis. We'll go in 18-16 against Fred oh, yeah. Davis. That must have taken a while. Um, so, yeah, obviously a, a really, really amazing player um, at the time. Um, and yeah, the clips you see of him, photos or videos, um, a real snappy dresser, had some real standout waistcoats. I don't know if anyone's seen them, it's worth looking up. But yeah, a great figure from Snooker's past and uh, very sad news that he passed away. Yeah, very much so. And of course, most of the attention on that 78 semi has been on Fred Davis because of the age he was at the time. But actually, forget that Perry was on the other side and won that. And actually, that world final was very close right until the end, actually. I think the last session, there was one frame in it. Ray Ridden then sort of pulled away. So it was it was a lot closer than, you know, for a lot of that match and the scoreline eventually showed. But yeah, you're right that, yes, you know, to point out, you know, pretty snappy with those waistcoats back in the day. Really good long potter as well. Lots of nice clips going around. He really smashed in some, you know, fabulous long pots. And yeah, you know, it, it is the end of an era as we say, he was, you know, a really big figure. You know, people talk about Pop Black and that was when it was so big on television. You know, that one, that one frame show, of course, the BBC put out uh, that started in, in 1969, went into the 70s. Perry was a key figure on that. And then when TV coverage first started properly from the World Championship, it was the first time it was ever, you know, shown in extended form with extended live action in 78. So viewers would really have known him. And I'm conscious that some of the the sort of uh, more mature uh, members of the snooker community w- would say that they see him quite a lot at events. Some of them pointed out he was the first player they saw, one of the first players they saw. So he really was a you know big figure back in the day. And we should say, you know, from from us here and, and everyone at Talking Snooker, we send our condolences to the family and friends of Perry Manns. Phil, as we say, the snooker season is about to step up another level. We have back-to-back tournaments. What a treat for fans. We'll look ahead to two of them in this episode. The English Open in Brentwood to come. First up, the British Open in Cheltenham. Said it before, you know, what a reintroduction it's been for this tournament. We've had two cracking editions so far. That summer tournament in Leicester in 21, when the COVID pandemic was very much still a central feature of our lives. We had the, well, rather unseemly match between Mark Allen and Riyad Evans so far, but it's uh, early on in that certainly attracted the headlines. We had that FA Cup style format draw, didn't we? That's really created a lot of interest in this. Mark said we drew Sean Murphy. I was having a look back. I just kind of thought just, just a few months on from their world final, Phil, very short matches and a brilliant winner in the great Mark Williams. And then last year in Milton Keynes, well, it was very good again, frankly, we saw a maximum from Mark Selby, some outstanding play from Mark Allen, and then that surprise in the final when Ryan Day stepped up to the plate in brilliant fashion uh, to beat Allen and claim his biggest ever title success. Even though he was saying, you know, at one stage he'd rather watch the football instead of playing in that final, but he was very, very good. And frankly, this tournament in its new incarnation has just been very strong. Yeah, that was that was a. Uh... It was an interesting end to that tournament, wasn't it? He had that awful semi-final run against uh, Robbie Williams, whereas Mark Allen was playing brilliant. I think Mark says that even though he had that amazing season last season, won those three tournaments, he played his best at the British Open, which he didn't win. Um, 
and yeah, so they went into that final comment where the odds were, but considering Ryan Day is a very, very good player, um, the odds were very one-sided because the form was very contrasting. Um, but yeah, Ryan stepped up uh, and pulled it off. So that was, uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. And yeah, considering this tournament was sort of thrown together a bit um, two years ago, um, last minute, just they needed something really to fill in a gap while they were still putting the calendar back together as COVID sort of slightly went away. Um, and they came up with this, and I think it's been a great success. Uh, yeah, those best of fives at first were, you know, it, is, it was what it was at the time, but I think we all wanted a bit longer, even though it created some chaos. Um, but yeah, so I think the format they've got now is great. And yeah, it's something to look forward to early in the season. I've, uh, I've only heard uh, good things about the sort of the uniqueness of the tournament with the FA Cup style draw and stuff. Even the players that have sort of, come out the wrong side of it as it were i remember speaking to sean murphy um that first year um when he got mark selby first round but he was all for it even though he'd sort of uh come up worse for it so uh yeah it's been almost entirely positive about the british open so far which is good stuff and the words entirely positive are not always appropriate when it comes to the snooker community Phil, are they? <laughs> now we have some uh really nice matches to come early on actually uh the number one highlight of the round one matches on Monday, I would say, is probably going to be Luca Vassell against Ding Junhui. I mean, Luca on the absolute crest of a wave, just reached the final in, in Shanghai. Ding unpredictable, uh, but their head-to-head record tells us Luca's never beaten Ding. So really interesting uh, match to come. Unfortunately, we're not going to see the man on the other side of that equation is Shanghai, the winner of the tournament, Ronnie O'Sullivan. He's pulled out for medical reasons. So we've got friend of the podcast, aren't they all, Phil? Stephen Hallworth will play Jimmy Robertson instead on, on Monday. Ronnie a miss, but there's, you know, to bang that drum, there's plenty of, of great stars and, 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 you know, great attractions still to look forward to. Mark Allen against Anthony McGill. Their first meeting was seven years, Phil. I've been looking at head-to-heads, quite surprised about that. Just, you know, sometimes these top pros don't play each other. Very unusual. Uh, Defending champion Ryan Day's got Sean O'Sullivan uh, uh, first. An all-Leicester match caught my eye, Mark Selby against uh, Ben Wollaston. And it'll be really uh, interesting to see how young Stan Moody fares against one of the players of the season so far, uh, Barry Hawkins. So I can't really predict the results, Phil. None of us can, but I can say with certainty we're in for a cracking first day. Yeah, definitely. It's um, you know it's a bit like those home nations first days where you get all the big players in one. But I suppose in the difference there is all those uh, often sort of one sided matches where we've got some real crackers uh, there. Yeah, I mean Ding against Luca and Allen against McGill really stood out. And yeah, I'd like the look of Wollaston against Selby as well. A little Leicester derby. Shame it's not. Uh, where it was in Leicester before in Cheltenham this year, um, but yeah, no, that's that's a great day to look forward to. And yeah, um, yeah, Ronnie medical issues. I was actually speaking to uh, his manager Jason Francis yesterday about the nine hundred, and uh, he said he think it's his elbow problem that she's been dealing with uh, for some time now. We don't know, do we? Really, um, he hasn't played. <laughs> he's not played much this season. He's just played in Shanghai, and he, he looked all, he looked all right there. Um, so hopefully we'll see him in Brentwood. I think we we usually do see him in the, the home nations events, don't we? Because he plays in the Eurosport events. So, uh, but a miss, but another great opportunity for Stephen Holworth. Who I looked at that actually because um, Stephen sort of 
not at the top of the order of merit from Q School, which is why these things are, are done by. And I think it's because someone had to fill in, Rory McLeod had to replace someone in the quali- the, when the qualifiers for these were done because all the other guys higher up the, rank, the order of merit were not available. So even though they might be available now, they'd got as far as Rory when they needed to then and Stephen's the next one down there. So my my understanding, it wasn't explained on the statement, but my understanding of that why uh, Stephen's got, got the nod now. It's a great opportunity. He actually had a run, um, was it last year? I think when he got quite deep, he beat Hawkins. Um, so I think he got to last 16. Um, so yeah, great opportunity for Stephen. Uh, and yeah, cracking first day there. I'd forgotten that. that a good run, yeah. Now it's, it's in the recesses of my mind. Now you say it, but yeah, sometimes it can be a free run, can't it? Late entry, you know, absolutely nothing to lose. So you know, it could, it could be dangerous. It'll be interesting to see. Some round two matches that, that catch the eye. Uh, well, David Gilbert's got Lou Haushan, and well, how to look back at their sort of history. And they played in this tournament last year, Lou winning uh, 4-3. And at last month's European Masters, Lou winning 5-1 there. And the really interesting thing is that I, I was conscious of you saying in my, I know you speak to Dave a fair bit, and you were saying, oh, we know he's really started the season well. That's his only defeat, actually, so far this season, including the Championship League. So a bit of a, a, a revenge mission for Dave, perhaps, coming up in that one. <laughs> Not on Sankham. Has got Fergal O'Brien. That that, that caught my mind uh, there. Perhaps a, a possible bit of a contrast there in styles. As you know, are some nice matches here coming up, Phil. And I'm going to ask you to guess one of the years. Out of three here, I'm definitely not going to do one because I think you, you and everyone else will be miles out because it's one of those massively surprising ones. But I think you might get quite close. You might have looked it up, I don't know, with Ken Doherty against Matthew Stevens. I think you'll get pretty close. I haven't looked it up. Um, uh, 97. Brilliant guess. I thought you'd get close. It was a 96 Welsh Open. I think it was around the time you kind of expect. Similar maybe for Andy Hicks, Graham Dot, first match in the 97 Benson and Hedges Championship. But the one that really surprised me, and I had double-checked this, so, you know, Maybe I should have triple-checked it. But anyway, as far as I'm aware, Rod Lawler against Dominic Dale. I mean, I thought their first match would have been miles before the 2003 Irish Masters. I mean, they'd have been a, dec- a decade, wouldn't they, pros? Maybe more before then. But anyway, that happens. But yeah, they've got they've got a lot of history anyway, these players. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one I'll be sure to keep an eye on, Phil, is Ishpreet Singh Chadda, who a lot of people are are talking about so far this season. He's playing Stuart Bingham. And I think you teed this up when we had our, made me laugh actually, when we did our, our preview of the draw when it came out some weeks ago, the Northern Snooker Centre derby, David Gross against Sanderson Lamb. So a bit of Northern Snooker Centre pride at stake there <laughs> and, and quite a lot beyond that, clearly. But that's an interesting one. So again, nice matches. But yeah, Dave Gilbert doesn't like Lou Haushan at the moment, Phil. You want to turn that round? <laughs> Yeah, now I watched um, that game in the European Masters where he lost quite sort of convincingly to him. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's a, I don't think there's any problem with that style of play or anything, but he's just come up against him playing well. So, uh, yeah, he, he, he will want to turn around the round because, as you say, he's, uh, he's won a lot of his, or all of his first round matches, um, but he'll want to go a bit deeper than just first rounders. 
Um, so we'll see how he goes there. And yeah, Sanderson Lamb, we've mentioned him a couple of times. He's a great start of the season. Continued this week. Um, we'll get to the international championship qualifiers uh, soon, but he, he had another good win there. So he's won all of his first rounders. Uh, he got through his championship league group um, and won every single uh, first first round qualifier match. So yeah, great stuff from him. So that'll be interesting. Uh, as I say, Derby there. Um, and then, yeah, it's a bit of a lopsided stuff because we've had the held over matches. So even though it's the random FA Cup style draw, which is sort of an exciting thing to do when we're there, we already know second round draws. So there's a couple of uh, if they win sort of things. So if Lasowski and Sean Murphy win their first games, they they meet in the second round, which is pretty brutal. And that uh, we mentioned Allen against McGill in the first round. Um, if they the winner of that gets the winner of Kyron Wilson and Martin O'Donnell. So if that's Kyron Wilson and uh, Mark Allen and uh, Anthony McGill have <laughs> drawn the short straws there, uh, other possible uh, second round matches we can get: Stephen Maguire against Mark Williams, uh, Rob Milkins against Barry Hawkins, and Cesar Hui against Neil Robertson. So oh. yeah, this this sort of random draw really does throw up some blockbuster stuff, which is great for us, not so great for the players necessarily, but um, very entertaining. Oh yes, yeah, I was I was giving it a few. Oh oh oh, there that was some lovely old uh, games potential games to come uh, in that tournament. And uh, enjoy it if you're going and based in the UK. For many people, it will be the majority of us television. But um, you know, I should say Cheltenham, beautiful old old spa town. It's a place I know well from racing. Never been to snooker there. I think it's called the Centaur Building, isn't it? It's, it's at the race course. One of the great venues in sport. Uh, I've been many times. For the, I think I said on here, the National Hunt Festival, absolutely adore that. But yeah, I mean, I, as I say, first time I, I wondered whether it was the right venue, but I think ticket sales are quite good the, the second time they had events there. I think they've had different events every time, haven't they? In, in Cheltenham's life in snooker so far, um, I don't think that they've ever had the same one yet. But anyway, um, if you're going, as I say, you know, Enjoy the delights of Cheltenham as well. If you have if you have time during your your visit, it's, it's the most lovely, delightful place. And uh, yeah, just a really good week ahead. I, th- I think Phil, you know, li- live on ITV, we know how they cover tournaments so well here in the UK. And as we always say, go to WST for your arrangements elsewhere in in Europe and, and around the world. Um, yeah, and then just uh, yeah, the FA Cup stuff. The FA Cup stuff sort of draw comes into its own a bit more later, I think, doesn't it? Because it gets a bit more manageable, especially when they do them live. That's so you get a few oohs and ahs there, I can tell you. That's really when it's sort of, you know, great stuff. But as we said many, you know, many times over generally across tournaments, but even in this one, when you can get big hitters drawing each other at any stage, you tend to get good winners. I mean, Ryan Day was a bit of a surprise, but he's still a top player. Mark Williams the year before. Um, you might, we are getting the odd sort of, Quarter-finalist, semi-finalist is kind of a bit of a turn-up, but, you know, the, you still tend to get the sort of best emerging at the end. But nevertheless, you know, you know, it does open it up to some extent, doesn't it? You know, when players can draw each other. So, you know, it, it's um, it's something that, as you mentioned, it's the UK Open darts they do it in, isn't it? Mm. I think it's been an important addition, this actually, in many ways, um, to, to, just for something just so different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um... And obviously, everyone get, all gets the same opportunity. You can't complain. Um, you know, the top players, uh, you know, if they want to win tournaments, they've got to beat other top players at some point. And uh, although we mentioned a couple of those second round draws, you get, there's stinking sort of first and second round draws. You're unlikely to just get top players all the way through. Um, so, yeah, and it just, it does, it just, 
give the opportunity to some other players. You know, you might get some easier draws than you would normally get. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, last year I'd actually forgotten it was in Milton Keynes last year, but that's where it was last time round. Um, Nopon got to the other semi final. He lost to uh, Alan. Um, Robbie Williams lost that long uh, semi final to to Ryan, the oh, quarter yeah. finalist, the quarter finalist that lost out. Liu Haoshan, the aforementioned, Yuan Sijun, Jamie yeah. Jones, and Selby. Actually, Selby Allen was the high profile quarter final there. So yeah, unpredictable. Um, but we don't mind it. Um, I assume it's going to be the same as before. Robert, Rob Walker doing some of the draws live on TV, which it, it does add to a bit of excitement, you know, like what we don't get to see draws normally and uh, these random ones, a uh, bit of tension, bit of interest. So, yeah, I think it's generally been very popular. Yeah, and I'd, I'd actually forgotten those semis until you mentioned them. And it, I'm pretty sure that was the one that was over very, very quickly in the afternoon. I think it was on the main channel. So they filled in with uh, a Ken Doherty Stephen Hendry exhibition, actually, oh, with, yeah, with, yeah. with Ken telling a lot of a lot a lot of gags. And the, yeah, the second one really dragged on on that Saturday night. Um, but actually, I do remember that quite well because I was at the doubles before. I keep thinking I was at the Bushes, but I wasn't. I was at the doubles the weekend before. I did that kind of um, tallying the events together thing, which I do remember Manchester this season. Is it? Is that is it the doubles before the tour? Or oh, yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah. I could I, I, I think it's I think it's that way. Really, a, a good a clever way of doing it, frankly. Um, so um, you know, talking about a lot of people actually went to the mixed doubles final, and then the first day of the Bushish. That was a really nice way of doing it. Anyway, we look forward to it. The Bushish Open to come in Cheltenham, and we should say you are listening here to Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. The English Open in Brentwood, uh, Phil. Uh, I don't. I'm not saying the poor relation of the uh, of the home nations, the English, but I think it's the one that's. It's the, well, the Scottish has had issues as well, actually, not least being held in England and Wales. But I, I don't think the English uh, has got anywhere near the traction the Northern Ireland's got. Anywhere near, actually, really, and it hasn't got the history of the Welsh. Nevertheless, it's you know it's a good tournament. It's the second year now in Brentwood, isn't it? We we're going to do one of our. Live episodes there, won't we, until the snow got in the way. I don't think we'll be seeing mm-hmm. snow snow this time in early October. But anyway, um, we, <laughs> all roads lead to Essex for this one. And uh, maybe I'll let you lead, lead off this time. It, it's the first Hope Nations event of the season. And I've, I've said many times, I love the, from a, just from a newsman point of view, I love the bang, 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 everything happening. First few days, absolute bewildering. Which which is why we all need Phil Hagen in our lives, frankly, to 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 to, to help us through the confusion. <laughs> yeah, they are uh, they are manic for starts to those uh, home nations events. Uh, but yeah, um, Brentwood, we weren't sure about that, but it certainly was very well attended last year. Uh, hopefully, it will be again. I mean, Essex um, hotbed for snooker. Obviously, we know all the players that have come out of there. That uh, many of the best players ever. Um, so it's good that it has got an event there. Um, and it's probably good that it's a bit earlier in the year because that snow really sort of ruined it. Not ruined it, that's not wrong, but it disturbed it. Um, and especially when the heating was broken. I don't know if you remember that, the heating was oh, broken God. in the arena the first day. <laughs> so people were sat there um, in their coats. Um, and also, was that was that not the tournament where some of the, the uh, suspensions for players were being announced as well? So it was all sort oh, of God. Yeah. being quite badly disrupted by a number of things. But oh, nevertheless, yeah. it was a successful event, um, despite those things. Yeah. Uh, great winner in Mark Selby, that final against Luca. Um, so, yeah, um, it w- I think it went down pretty well in Brentwood. So hopefully uh, even better this time around. 
And yeah, like we always say with these home nations, we've got these sort of blockbuster opening Mondays because all the top players are held over. So uh, on the opening day, um, I mean, the standout match probably there, John Higgins against Marco. Mm. Um, with Marco sort of so far down the rankings, he's uh, he's such a, um, a wild card there to be thrown in against these big names. And uh, I, I don't know if you looked there head to head, we'll play that game again. Um, um... I'm going to say 2000. <laughs> Have you looked up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. Why can't I just tell little white lies? <laughs> I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. We all are. But I am honest. I will say that about myself. I am honest. Uh, and, and I sort of always have been. I, 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 yeah, I did look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah, well, they've been playing for a long old time now. And uh, actually, all, all uh, competitions included, Marco's got a winning record, 12 to 10 with two draws. Um, and he he beat him in the, the Hong Kong Masters, of course, uh, last year, made that one four seven. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's a very interesting first round game. Uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, as I said, we expect him to be there playing Andrew Padgett first round. Lasowski against Matthew Stevens. Um, that's a rematch from the Crucible uh, recently. Um, very attractive looking game there. Um, Selby against Jing Xiao, who's one of the uh, new pros in China. Sanderson Lam, again, um, we've mentioned his good form. He gets crack at Neil Robertson, who yeah, got to the semis in Shanghai, but we haven't seen loads of. So um, Sanderson, best of seven, you know, he got half a chance there. Uh, the world champ, Luca Brussel against Stan Moody. Big test for Stan there, but should be interesting. Uh, and Liu Hongyu, another one of the new young Chinese players who we've mentioned a couple of times on here. He's had some impressive results, getting a crack at Sean Murphy, so that'd be good. And Hawkins, man of the moment, really, looked in great form. Looks in great form again this week, winning 6-0 in the qualifiers against Anthony Hamilton. Always a big test for anyone. Um, so, yeah, plenty to look forward to on that Monday, as there always is um, on these opening days at the Home Nations. Yeah, you tee those up. Very nicely. Uh, yeah, can't really add a lot more to that. I, I, I thought you mentioned that Hong Kong match. That's what I know they've been playing each other for nearly a quarter of a century. But that recent match is the one that I remembered. I thought, yeah, because Marco made that maximum. I love that shot of John Higgins just giving a lovely sort of round of applause. And uh, <laughs> as, as he sort of congratulated him for winning the match, it was a classic bit of sort of sporting behaviour from John. But that was, that, I, mean, I think everyone was so pleased to see Marco back in the big time and, you know, just making that maximum in front of those that huge crowd. It was smashing, really. And, and the decider as well. That yeah, the decider. That's right. what I mean. It, it, yeah, he wasn't just clapping him for the maximum. It was kind of the, you won the match moment. So it was just a lovely embrace moment there. As you say, yeah, Ronnie uh, O'Sullivan against Andrew Padgett. We're playing Jackson Page there. So that, I think Jackson will be interested to potentially test himself against Ronnie. Yeah, that Lasowski-Stevens. I think I'm right in saying that in a lot of those build-ups to that. Jack was saying how much of you know he admired Matthew and enjoyed watching and growing up. So there's that nice element to that with that with their age gap there. And uh well another one, not sure you said Michael White, Matthew Selt that I, I spotted. Big difference in ranking, but um you know White's such a good player, so that could well be worth a watch. And uh one that you may not have said Judge Trump's got Sean O'Sullivan I noticed. Uh, I've just met twice before in short matches and Judge won them both, no surprise. Yeah and Hawkins Hamilton, yeah that, and I had a look at their head to head, and I think as a, I had an inkling of memory for this, and it sort of backed it up. That of course, 
Hamilton did beat Hawkins en route to his most famous ever win, which I ludicrously kept saying was in the Home Nations event at the part. I don't know why that stuck in. It was, of course, the German Masters in Berlin. But uh, it was a quarterfinal on the way to that. So happy memories of for Hamilton of that particular uh, matchup. Uh, winner of that plays Graham Dot. So, you know, pl- plenty of experience among that sort of triumvirate thrill. Yeah, so, um, yeah it, it's, um, I say, I, I feel like I've been a bit over mean to the, the Ignis show. I don't think it's anything wrong with the, the name of the tournament or the fact it it tends to kick off the home nations. You know, all that's great, but I think it, it has been a venue issue. Maybe some of that's the pandemic, but pretty nomadic. We know about Manchester, the rain on the roof. We know about Barnsley, me me being asked if I wanted the towel every time I went in the press room to have a swim. <laughs> we know about, was it Crawley? I think I did one of the finals down there. And uh, and that's a bloody million miles out of Crawley. That, 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 forget the, forget the, the classic Ronnie talk. I mean, that was a... Hell of a, I suppose I'm still not on that walk now, Phil, back to the town centre. That was a long oh, yeah. old <laughs> Miles out of Crawley, that place. <laughs> yeah, I walked up there from the train station. All up, I remember it being uphill. Maybe that was just a mindset thing. But <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah. And um, yeah, I think a bit of MK. Now Brentwood. So listen, I'm going to pop down there for one of the days and nights myself, actually. I, I, I'm going to cut the comments out, actually, because I've not been. So I, I really can't can't judge it i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to judge a lot more when all, all being well i will pop down there for for one or two of the sessions there during the tournament so yeah the english open um we are looking forward to it as i say that got that real back-to-back quality so it's a snooker fans will need a lot of stamina i mean over the next few months but certainly over the next few weeks phil i mean you know some will pick and choose you can't watch you know every day for goodness sake we've all got lives to, to get on with but but um, nevertheless, you know it's 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 real cracking action. All the all the stars, all the time, and this will be on, of course, Eurosport and Discovery. Um, reading between the lines, it sounds like we might be, you know, not seeing studio coverage and studio presentation of of, of this event, which obviously will be a shame. It will it will clearly be for money reasons, and uh, 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 if that isn't the case. But no, no doubt we'll have our usual excellent commentary, you know, interviews that we'll see. So we uh, really look forward to it. You know, we couldn't be in better hands, frankly, with ITV for the British and Eurosport uh, for the English and Discovery here in the UK. I know there are various, um, with Eurosport, I imagine we'll show the English across Europe, of course, but there'll be other arrangements beyond. They do say, don't they? I don't know how much of a cliche this is. We know people do have issues because they write to us, but they do say there is a way to watch the snooker now. You might have to fork out a few shillings, but there should be a way to watch it wherever you are in the world. Sometimes they put it on Facebook, don't they? There's nothing else or Matchroom Live. So really, I mean, perhaps do let us know because we are told, you know, with some authority, I think, that you should now be able to watch it wherever you are. Yeah, and they always post on on WST the the various places, but then you do it. It gets some correspondence sometimes saying that uh, they don't always work. But yeah, they should, certainly should be able to. So uh, hopefully that is the case. Um, yeah, that Hawkins Hamilton match, the the one that uh, springs to mind, isn't that one in Germany for me? Is that Northern Ireland semi they had, uh, where they went to the side and, and Hamilton like feathered the white when he had a really good chance, Ooh. and Hawkins went on to win and. 
set up that final with Mark King. So it could well have been an Anthony Hamilton Mark King final in Northern Ireland, um, which would have been very interesting. Um, yeah, Hamilton always seems to be on last. He's on again at the, the latest possible slot. So um, <laughs> I, whenever I seem to be watching him, it's sort of creeping towards 1am. But, you know, they, they always stick him on last for some reason. But, yeah, um, interesting game, though. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's going to be plenty to look forward to. It could be all sorts of changing in the rankings. All these have got ranking events coming up. So plenty of uh, opportunity to make moves. Um, people will have the Masters in mind in January already, I suppose. So uh, lots of opportunities to to make your impression on the ranking list. So, um, yeah, a lot to look forward to. Very much so. I don't remember that shot when when he... Was it Fed of the Cube or was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, I thought maybe look up and then I'll be like, oh, of course it was that. But nice little tee up maybe to say that coming up soon, Phil, we have, thanks to you out there, uh, our dear listeners, some of those shots you can't get out of your head. Now, of course, I put a video up of Ronnie O'Sullivan, that infamous pinky miss nearly a decade ago now mm. in the 2014 world final against Mark Selby. Something of a turning point in that final, frankly. A lot of people say, oh, that shot, I can't for- I can't forget it. Just can't get it out of my head. And uh, we thought, well, let's try and see if there's any more shots. And there are quite a few. So we got those coming up then uh, soon. But with more tournament matters uh, before we get there, Phil. And right, it's only right and proper that I come to you first for the latest set of qualifiers, this time for the International Championship, which have been held in, in Sheffield at, at Ponds Forge. Or, or Fonz Porge, as a, as a journalist that used to be on the circuit, always referred to it. Now you, you've been uh, you've been there. Um, tell us about it. Lots of interesting matches. I think you pointed out on social media it was kind of a bit a bit low key, but that's that's the nature of qualifying, eh? It is. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame though because um, yeah, you can go in and watch, and some people were, but not very many. And I'm not sure how um, how many people know about it really because there's a great lineup. I mean, the, I was there yesterday, Thursday. Um, and you've got players like Lasowski, Allen, Williams, Selby, Kyron, um, amongst many others. So for a tenner all day or eight pound concessions, um, then it's great, it's great value to watch those four tables. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, even if you went into Ponds Forge, it wouldn't be that obvious. Um, and I had a look on WST website. There's nothing really saying it that I could see. Even if you click on the ticket section, there isn't this mentioned. I haven't seen any posts on social media. So, uh, yeah, that is a, is a shame, really, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's there to be seen. And they must put in some effort, you know, to get all the seating up and, you know, go through the processes that you need to host a certain amount of people. So for, for I guess, just people not to know about it yeah, is, yeah, uh, is a shame. Um, so hopefully that can uh, improve in the future because there's some good snooker to watch there. Um, best of 11s, you know, with these, all the, a lot of big names. Um, I guess because it is best of 11s, we haven't seen too many shocks. Um, there's been some really good performances, though. We mentioned Gary Wilson last week, I think, um, his slow start to the season. But um, he has a great performance. You know, he would have been heavy favourite to beat Mohamed Ibrahim, but... Breaks of 103, 89, 64, 103 again, and 94. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you're playing if you're making scores like that. <laughs> um, so very impressive there. I suppose one of the shocks, and this was a great performance from Liam Pullen, um, teenager. Um, great 6-4 win over Graham Dot. A couple of centuries in there for Liam. Um, 
Graham lost the first frame on the three minutes rule. Mm. So we've seen that a couple of times recently. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Probably his best result so far as a pro for Liam. Um, and I was watching till late last night, Jamie Jones 6 4 against Ash Carty. That was going past midnight. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, not too many other shocks I've seen that I can remember. Joe Perry lost against Dylan Emery. He's struggling for form at the minute, 6 3 to Dylan. Watched a bit of that. That was a bit of a struggle from both, really. Um, and yeah, but otherwise, um, it is a good setup there, but as I say, um, yeah, it's not, not enough people going to watch it. And I spoke to, uh, I spoke to a couple of players down there. Um, I spoke to Jack Lasaski afterwards, he was saying the conditions are great and everything, so no complaints from the players. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, just uh, if, if more people could know about it, that'd be good. Remind me of the price, it's about a tenner, isn't it? Yeah, tenner or eight pounds for um, concessions. Not exactly sure what, that, what counts as a concession, but there was an old chap going in as I got there yesterday for eight quid. So you get an awful lot of snooker for your money. And yeah. top players, best of 11s, it's, it's good stuff. Mm. Yeah, and it's that contrast thing. We say that, you know, almost a two-tier situation really during the snooker season. Yeah, a lot of snooker is expensive now, actually, and much more than it ever has been in the history of the game. The Crucible being the obvious example. Some of those, you know, the very front row seats for the hospitality are an absolute fortune, King's Ransom. Being the ones at the back are, you know, fairly expensive, really. Same for the Masters, the other, some of the other big events as well. I think tour championship tickets tend to be quite expensive, but there are tickets which are great value as well. So, you know, that, and that's feels like more of an old school thing. But, well, uh, listen, absolute broken record for me. My view is that snooker was undersold for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I remember even not that many years ago, it was it was sort of dirt cheap to go and watch nearly everything. And you sort of think, well, maybe, you know, the problem is it was probably undersold and the rises have been too steep because of that. And it had a bit more gradual and perhaps developed you know, more of a kind of, uh, what's that word when you, when things happen slowly, incrementally, mm-hmm. um, then that might have been a sort of better, a, a better thing. But anyway, um, that, yeah, very good value. And that, that yeah, that Liam Pull and Graham Dot caught my eye, I have to say, uh, great win for the, you know, the York teenager there, the 18 year old against the former uh, world champion. And uh, had a look through his results, actually, Liam, to remind myself so far. It's not his first win on tour, but I think by a long way, it's his most noteworthy. Uh, just a 28 years difference between them, Phil. That's <laughs> that, that's all. Breaks of, yeah, you mentioned them there. 119 for for Pullen. Yeah, what is it about this three miss rule? That's three three now, isn't it? Alfie Bird and Graham, I can't think now who the third one was. There was one in between, wasn't there? It might yeah, come it to me. I might, I might have to look it up before. Um, was it Padgett? Uh, no, I can't remember now. But it, it's happening a, a quite a lot. And, I think it's one of those things that I'm sure they feed off each other in a funny kind of way, That the, these things in snooker. In the way that when you're at tournaments, we've seen it at the Crucible, actually, you think, ah, Maximum's coming. It's like there's something in the air. They all sort of spread, and, and uh, it's just funny the way it happens. It shouldn't happen, really. You know, Nearly all the time you see them, you think, play a different shot. And the problem is, with the third time, it is nearly always the case that the, the shot that they'll just have to play eventually will leave them in trouble. It'll leave the other guy with a big chance because they are in that much trouble. But you still think, you know, just percentages, just 
even if it's a relatively containing safety or an attempt at one, but just, you know, they seem to just play the same shot and that's sort of crazy really. But um, he says from the armchair. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was Padgett. It was against, uh, against oh, Hawkins. Right. He lost six nil. So well remembered there. Um, yeah. And strangely, I mean, those three players who mentioned their Padgett, Dot and Burden. And that's an awful lot of experience between those three. It's not sort of youngsters making silly mistakes. Um, I wonder why that is. I guess maybe a younger player may have just maybe just more likely to like, oh, I'll just hammer it into the reds and see what happens. But these sort of grizzled veterans are like, no, I'm not going to give them an inch. I'll stick to my one shot and roll up very softly onto this red and uh, just make the mistake. But uh, yeah, it's a strange one. And that that duck one against Pullman was the very first frame. So uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean that. It's it's exactly the <laughs> sort of little boost if you're a yeah. youngster going against the former world champion. Oh, I'll have the first frame for free. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, um, strange. You don't see it very often for a while, and then three all at once. Like London buses, as the phrase goes. Um, but yeah, international championship qualifying still going. As we say, we're talking on Friday morning. Um, so there's some games going on as we speak. Oh, well, actually, live scores. This will be completely relevant by the time you hear it. But Marco Fu against Robert Milkins, as we say, Marco, such a nightmare, just guy hanging around in the lower reach of the, of the rankings for the top players. Marco's 3-1 up at the minute, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, ongoing for a day or so more. Well, I think we could do with um, maybe a strap line one day, but I think maybe this will be completely irrelevant by the time you hear it. <laughs> There's not one we'll go for, but yeah, of course, you're absolutely right. This fast-moving world that probably applies to a lot of our, our content. Um, various big hitters have been, have been winning, Phil, as you sort of alluded to. Uh, among them, Mark Williams, Mark Selby, Mark Allen, uh, Stuart Bingham, and for a full list of results, go to snooker.org. International Championship qualifying continue. We've seen loads of qualifiers we seem to have had lately, but of course, you know the good news is that means we've got loads of tournaments coming soon, which we know, and uh, you know, so it'll all start to make sense a little bit more when we get into the sort of main stages of those events, and. We should move on again, perhaps, Phil, and say that the UK Women's Championship is getting underway and will give us some fine action over this weekend. Uh, the event is at the aforementioned Northern Snooker Centre in Leeds. I saw a bit of copy about it, actually. And I noticed in that there's 11 different countries represented in the field, which is great news, frankly. Very good to see. And I think the usual suspects will be among the favourites, won't they? Uh, Rianne Evans has won this title just 11 times. That's all, Phil. Just 11 for Rianne. Also in the field, uh, world champion Bipat. Uh, last year's world championship winner, Mink Nutrat. Uh, three times former world champion on Yi. And twice the runner-up at this event, the UK Championship, Rebecca Kenner. So we'll bring you all, all the news, the results and details of who's won and uh, everything else when we're, we're next with you here on Talking Snooker. But a really nice event. That tour does go from strength to strength and uh, we'll look forward to sort of uh, following the action uh, over the weekend at uh, at one of the, our, our very best clubs in Leeds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be those those sort of five of the big hitters of the minute. So it'd be lovely to see uh, if you can see anyone emerge from the from the field to challenge those guys. Um, but yeah, I guess if you were putting any money on, it would be one of those one of those five. Um, but yeah. We, lo- we love the Northern, don't we? Great venue. Um, final on Saturday or Sunday? Um, but this weekend, anyway. Yeah. Um, so keep an eye out on uh, World Women's social media. They'll be keeping you updated there. Um, 
and I imagine plenty of lovely photos from Matt Hewitt who takes some great pics there while he's doing all sorts of jobs <laughs> keeping these these tournaments running um, but also uh, for being a, a top photographer while he's there so yeah keep an eye on that stuff he really is a very busy man indeed during these events, yes. <laughs> and uh, we look forward uh, to that. So loads going on in snooker at the moment. And uh, well, it's lucky we've got so many lovely podcasts to listen to to reflect that, Phil. <laughs> and this is one of those. You are listening here to Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Phil, we have a nice set of correspondence here. People are quite engaged with these shots they can't get out of, their, out of their heads. We all have them. We all have them. Uh, as I say, mentioned earlier, I put a video up of that infamous Ronnie O'Sullivan Miss Pink. And uh, I think our friend Lula mentioned that she'd see it on her deathbed. We, we've taken the deathbed element out of it. It's a little bit morbid. People just want a nice little relaxing listen about snooker. Don't want to think too much about their deathbeds, I'm guessing. So <laughs> we're just going to say shots you can't get out of your head. And uh, should we kick off then? Let's uh, have Dave Mitchell here. Hi, Nick and Phil. First time emailer, but a huge fan of the podcast. You, along with Dave Shabnam, Sean and Phil's, really are leading the way with the snooker pods. And I hope WST and Stephen Hendry highlight this in their new one. Well, I'm not a gambling man, Phil, but I don't think the chances of that are enormously high. We'll see. <laughs> My top five shots I think about, says Dave here. Ken's Miss Black for a 147 and a huge paycheck. Ronnie's left-handed black to get his 1,000th century. The Sean Murphy black off three cushions in the middle bag at the Crucible, I believe. Trump's outrageous green at the German Masters. The ball seemed to be possessed. I love that. It did, <laughs> it did, it did seem to be possessed. Yeah, nice way of saying it. And Hendry's Miss Black for the Masters. Well, I mean, just a absolute catalogue of, of memories coming to the head there. Yeah, I mean, I've got myself a bit of a tizzy about that Hendry shot. I put a bit, I might have been, even early this year, maybe last year, put a still up of that. And listen, I'm very, very ordinary at Snookerfield. You can testify to that. But I think I know enough about the game to know that that black was awkward, maybe in the extreme, playing across the nap, slow, it was anything but easy, but I still say, because I put a freeze frame of that moment up, I'd still say you'd back Hendry eight or nine times out of ten to get it. He was still the preeminent force in snooker. He was still world number one, although John Higgins, a few months later, actually took that position over from him when he won the world title. But he won a multitude of world championships. He was the number one player in the game. And it was, it was a hell of a miss, hell of a moment. And, uh, you know, Mark Williams is the one to benefit from it, of course, winning that famous Masters final. But, yeah, the Ron I mean, the Ronnie 1000th century was just a magic piece of, of snooker, actually. Everything about it. I love that clip, the embrace with Neil, the commentary, the setting, the crowd going mad. Brilliant. Yeah, Sean Murphy shot. What a, what a shot that was. Sean is very good at pulling those sort of magic shots out of the bag which is why perhaps they call him the magician. Not a big fan of snooker nicknames, but I don't mind that one. And, um, yeah, well, Ken, I mean, I'm not sure we've said it to him on here in these terms, but obviously people will mostly, I would think and hope, mention his world title, but probably not far behind is that black eight because it was such a, a, a massive moment. And, uh, yeah, I mentioned the Trump one, the um, 
Yeah, that was just an incredible snooker shot. So, yeah, I mean, please, right snooker there, Phil. That, all those are just memorable, memorable shots. Yeah, of course they are, yeah. I think Ken said he gets sort of asked about that, <laughs> that missed black as much as anything. Yeah. Um, I remember, the, yeah, Matthew Stevens' face, he's playing Stevens, isn't he? And he just can't oh. believe it either. <laughs> just, I mean, that's the thing when any of, the, any of these missed blacks on the 147s, um, all the ones that I can think of anyway, um, they're pretty straightforward <laughs> after they've done all the hard work. It's pretty rare that you leave yourself really horrible on the final black. Um, but it's just a big twitch, isn't it? Um, uh, so, yeah, a bit of a nightmare there because not so much now, actually, but back then there were enormous prizes on the line, not just the not just the kudos of making a, a maximum. But um, I think there was a sports car on the line for that one, if I remember correctly, at the Masters. Um, but, yeah, um, so, yeah, a bit of a nightmare. Um, but we'll move on to the next one. And see, I'll just say, by the way, um, yeah, the, the UK Women's Championship it runs till Sunday. I don't know. I've got Saturday written here. So I'll just clear that up there. Mm. Uh, but this next uh, bit of correspondence, um, Anthony Gibson. Hello, Phil and Nick. Really enjoying the podcast. On the subject of shots I can't get out of my head, the 1992 World Finals, Jimmy White v. Stephen Hendry. The score is 14-10 to Jimmy, and he's 31 ahead, but misses the last red. Knew then that Jimmy would lose, and the comeback from Hendry was unstoppable. Cheers, Anthony. That one stick out to you, Nick? Um, a little bit less than the, than the, the shots Jimmy missed at 14-8 and 14-9, actually, which would have more correspondents pointed out they're the sort of ones that get the attention but i did look this up and i'd kind of forgotten that jimmy was in charge of that frame and it wasn't an absolute gimme red by any means it was kind of along the cushion but yeah it was it was big i mean i think i'm not going to say definitely the writing was on the wall at 14 10 but 14 11 and the way henry came back to win that and then once it went to 12 13 it was absolute slow motion nightmare for jimmy fans but I think as I was careful to say on social media, for those that supported Stephen Hendry, it was wonderful. <laughs> and m- m- listen, the majority would have been on Jimmy's side, but not e- not everybody. There's a bit of a, I think the, the myth most, the myth actually mostly applies to Steve. There's a myth that nobody supported Steve Davis, and that's absolutely not true. In fact, quite a lot of my my good friends in very good friends in life actually were big Steve fans. And some of them might say they didn't shout about it too much because, you know, you didn't want to necessarily because he was, you know, people were on, on the whole, you know, in the country, I think it would have been not wanting Steve to win because of that, that British thing. I'm not liking winners a lot of the time, frankly, but Steve had a lot of fans and maybe it's a bit of less of the case with Hendry, but Hendry certainly had his fans too. Very much so. So, um, yeah, it was just an unbelievable world final that, I mean, the 92 and 94 ones, I mean, for Jimmy to lose them both, my goodness me, I know we're going over world ground here decades ago, but absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for, for, for remembering that Anthony. And uh, I can see why, you know, having looked at it again, why you can't get that particular shot out of your head. Let's move on to friend of the podcast, Gareth Williams. Got to be this one. I mean, Gareth put a video up, which is very kind, but obviously I'll explain it a bit more. This is an audio service. It has got to be this one from Judd Trump against John Higgins in the 2019 World Final when Job was 5-4 down. It was a brilliant long red with deep screw. Absolutely brilliant shot. And Gareth said it was that shot which preceded what can only be described as snooker out of this world from Trump. That shot changed the whole dynamic of the match. 
essentially won him the title. I don't remember John being ahead early on like that. I mean, Judd was absolutely dominant. I was in the press seats for a lot of that final, and he was absolutely brilliant. I think he would have dominated the session after that, frankly. But yeah, it was close early on, but yeah, what a shot it was. And it reminded me of a shot that I saw in the those press seats, sitting next to Joe Downs, actually, a journalist I know that was at that tournament, big motorsport journalist, actually, lovely chap. And we were just absolutely enraptured by that whole session. It was Higgins that nearly got a 147, if you remember, in the first frame of that session. But I don't know if it was the penultimate or the last of the session. Trump was on a 147 attempt. And I think it was about two or three reds from the end. Outrageous shot from Judd. Knocked the red in. Difficult red. Knocked another red off the cushion and got on the black. And I think... You know, I said, and a couple of others have said as well, had he made a 147, it would get more attention. It was a brilliant shot. But frankly, Phil, you, you know, you can take your pick from that world final. I mean, how, how exhilarating was Judd in that match? Yeah, that is as high a standard as there's ever been a match, really, because uh, John didn't really do much wrong. Um, maybe he tailed away towards the end when it really sort of became just over, completely overwhelming. But yeah, he was, it was they were going head to head for a lot of the early stages uh, and then Trump just went mad, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, and I hadn't remembered that very specific shot, um, but yeah, it was incredible. Um, yeah. Just, <laughs> I know that was, uh, John has said before, like that's the easier of the those world championship final losses to take because yeah. what can you do? <laughs> Even if you're good as John Higgins, you can't feel like you can do much when uh, someone plays like that against you. So, you know, slightly easier to take in, in those terms. Very much so, yeah. The, the other, I mean, the other ones. Which one of the two does he say? I think it's the Selby one. He says that that really. I always come back to it, you know. Mark said to me in an interview, he saw John's body language on the last morning of the tournament at the practice table, and he thought, I'm not going to say he thought he got him, but he thought, ah, now that's not good body language from John. He looked. He was. I think he was ten seven ahead, but he was acting like he was behind because that was so Selby. I think it was ten four. He looked an absolute broken man, Mark. He looked so, so tired. He just, you know, he looked like he just didn't want to be out there. Somehow mustered up the energy and the and the tenacity to win three frames in a row. And at 10-7, different game. That's the beauty of the Crucible. We know that. But uh, mm-hmm. and, that, and those long formats and that particular, you know, magic of that tournament. But um, I think you've got Ian McCoon next. I have. Um, yeah, the shot I can't get out of my mind is a missed green from Andrew Higginson in the Welsh Open final against Neil Robertson. I think if he pots that and the next couple of balls, he wins the title. Yeah, well, that's that's the kind of thing we were looking for when we said not the completely obvious ones. So good stuff from um, Ian there. Uh, that obviously hadn't sprung to my mind. Well, I say obviously, you know, maybe it had, but uh, it hadn't sprung to my mind. I don't know if that sprung to yours, Nick. Well, I looked it up. It was 07 and I do have sort of, vagueish memories of it but no not not particularly i have to say and it's just one of those funny things higginson came so close to winning a big title i mean that would have been by you know such a career highlight it's just you know and it was a young neil at that time so it was um yeah no a, re- a really exciting final but yeah that was that was the yeah i think there's more value i think there's more value to come in this i think we're going to keep this open aren't we because i think we yeah um, listen, what you pick whatever shots you like, you know, I'm sure honesty will be important. It has to be in your head type thing, but we, we'd love it if they, if they were those, those more yeah. sort of it, you know, perhaps lesser, slightly lesser known players from that sort of middle ranking type players. 
Um, you know, and you know, particular shots, as I mentioned, you know, oh, that Gary Wilkinson blue on that rainy Thursday afternoon. That was um that that's the kind of thing you saw Gary this week, didn't you? Um, you said, and uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing we're looking for. But yeah, I mean, look, we are we are so spoiled for choice over the years. There are just so many unbelievable shots. You know, if you just think in mind's eye, someone said to you, think about some of the most amazing shots in Snoop or, or some of the most memorable shots. It's just You'd be there all day and all night and you still wouldn't have got halfway through. There are just so, so many big matches, drama. What 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 did that was it a kick Dave Gilbert got in the in the in that against Higgins? That moment yeah. and that wasn't I mean that was desperate for Dave. Things like that. Three or four other big kicks would come to my mind if I thought about it more. The the, the, uh, the old Steve, no. I think one of the greatest pieces of, of one-word commentaries ever from Ted Lowe, that. No. Yeah. Said so much just like that. Spoke for the nation. Couldn't believe it. So much intonation in that moment and that, just in that one note from him. Um, Dennis's pot to win it, of course. And, yeah, it just that Jimmy Miss Black. And, I mean, just, just go on and on over the years. One that's funny enough, just a, a sort of half-random one now I'm thinking through them. And I watched nearly the whole of this in the press seats. I think one of the, the great, great matches of, of modern crucibles for me was that Bingham Trump semi and a ridiculous plant that Stuart took on. It, it, I think it was a red onto a red. And I, I know I'm quite mean about plants sometimes. I think the crowd are ridiculous. They, they applaud them when you can't miss them. But this was a, a really mad one to take on. He did it. And it just, I don't know if you remember, it was on the black cushion. It was just a, a, the most wonderful shot. I might have to dig a video of it actually and put it out um, to follow this up. But uh, things like that. But um, listen, I'm sure, you know, like like all snooker people, Phil, you'll have about a million in your head. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's loads, yeah. Funnily enough, the one that, like, leaps into my mind is that black that Murphy potted uh, against Chiron in the Crucible Semi a couple of years ago when because uh, it had a bit of everything, really. Uh, I think he was 11-8 behind uh, and the, that frame had gone to the, to the black and they had a bit of safety. And he left himself that really, well, Kyron left him a really difficult long lap to, to the extent where uh, Dennis on commentary was saying, oh, will he take this on? Not really sure. And he absolutely crunches it in and he makes the best noise. If you like that sort of like thud into the leather, because uh, he hits it pretty hard. Um, and then he does the, that famous big fist pump afterwards. And the crowd goes mad. And there's a clip of Kyron like, uh, walking off very annoyed, putting his mask on because that was the time when that had to be done. Um, so yeah, there's a clip oh, of that going, um, if you Google it. So that is well worth a watch. So yeah, I mean, if I had to think about it more, then there'd be other shots probably there. Um, but in terms of one that leaps into your mind, that one always seems to do it for me because it's got a bit of everything. Uh, so yeah, great shot from Sean. Um, and I, would, I was just looking at Higginson's, <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of thing if the athlete. <laughs> The Athletic covered snooker. This is the kind of thing they do. They do a deep dive into Andrew Higginson's 2007 Welsh Open run. But, but it's uh, it's amazing, really. He came through qualifying. He was 500 to one outsider. Then he beat Marco Food, John Higgins, Michael Judge, Ali Carter and Stephen Maguire wow. to make the final against Neil Robertson. Wow. And uh, he was uh, Robertson had to win the last three frames to win 9-8. Yeah. Uh, Higginson made two centuries in the final. So... Yeah, what a week he had there. Absolutely incredible stuff. And it could have could easily have been a title. Um, yeah, and he, <laughs> just a, a really good player, but uh, showed it that week. And he hasn't quite been able to replicate that kind of form much else the rest of his career, but um, shows what these guys can do. Um, who are sort of often sort of knocking about in the middle rankings or even off tours he has been recently. But yeah, 
lot of quality around. It's amazing. How did he put that together? I mean, it's just, it made me think earlier, sort of d- different kind of thing, really, but the vagaries of form, like, how did Gary Wilson suddenly whack all those bloody incredible breaks in? He's hardly been able to do anything this season. It, he, su- he suddenly finds it. You know, it's just, yeah, I mean, uh, if you could bottle up the answer to that, of course, you'd make a fortune. But, um, yeah, the, 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 those shots, I mean, we'd love to hear more of them. Also, just from a selfish point of view, it's nice to remember some of them ourselves and we don't remember them. You know, you think, oh, of course, that one. That was a, that was the semi, wasn't it, you mentioned there where – I don't remember the exact words, but I think, you know, obviously, Corin was annoyed. Oh, you know, Sean's up to loads of theat- theatrics. I think Sean said, well, it is a theatre. So, <laughs> <laughs> we had Sean on not long after on here, didn't he? And he, and he was pretty un- unrepentant about that. And I think, rightly, I don't think Corin had a case at all there. I mean, I think it just, he was just an oily loss, wasn't he? That's, that, that's the way it goes. Both those beaten semi-finalists that year, Stuart Bingham and the other, didn't have an awful lot of a leg to stand on they were just annoyed which you understand because they're they're brutal defeats those yeah uh, but i think Kyron has sort of stuck to that and other people have problems with that has come up with like the fist pumping thing people in general don't like it um but i don't agree with that at all like especially when it happens it only ever happens at the end of a frame you know if people were doing it after shots or after after your opponent missed or something that would be bad but i mean what other sport uh does something happen and you celebrate it and people have a problem with it? It'd be like saying you can't celebrate goals. You can only celebrate the end of the match. But obviously, that doesn't happen, does it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, there's very uh, sort of fine lines of what is etiquette and not in, in Stuka. And, yeah, a lot of people do have sort of problems with um, giving it the big one during a match, but not for me, especially, well, at the end of the frame, at the end of a session or anything, do what you want. Um, well, no actually not do what you want <laughs> i think that could get that could get out of hand but a little fist bump to the crowd i've got no problem with that at all i've got alex higgies in my head there when you're saying do what you want that, that he, <laughs> yeah. he was a bit of a do what you want person wasn't he back in the day i think we've done about an hour phil and um, that's about average for our unless we got one of our real blockbusters that's kind of what we've been doing lately i think it's quite a nice length actually frankly and uh, maybe we should move on to any other business the 900 is back and I've been watching some of the late night action uh, from Reading. And what the highlight has to be that clearance from Marcus Deo. I mean, bloody hell, that was absolutely sparkling stuff. I mean, look at the table. It wasn't in his favour at all. I mean, that that has been the best thing I've seen, certainly so far. Uh, Josh Tamond uh, made it through uh, to grand finals week. And we also saw Tony Knowles play some nice stuff. So a real fun start to the event. I noticed Dennis Taylor's playing. I thought he's... I thought he stopped to make a big deal about retiring. He's back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did that. I think he's done that a couple of times, but he keeps getting dragged out to play in these things. But yeah, um, he'll be one to watch there. Uh, yeah, there's been some dramatic things. Uh, yeah, that clearance was amazing. Uh, great result for Josh Tomlin because that was a tough first week there. Lots of good players. Um, there was another amazing thing. Was that Florian Nuzla who appears to be sort of Whenever he gets a mention of anything, it's because he's just sort of narrowly lost something really heartbreaking. Seems to be one of the unluckiest players in snooker. Um, he, he's, well, I say unlucky actually. He sort of went and knocked, he potted a blue, I think, and then knocked the yellow in, and that allowed Tony Knowles to, it was, there was 10 seconds left, and he just had to wind down the clock. And he knocked a red in. So, uh, and he, Nuzla was on the wrong end of that day clearance as well. So that's what I mean. He seems to be that <laughs> sort of uh, not, 
he was often in sort of viral clips and stuff, but not on the right end of it. But he's a very good player, and I imagine he'll be on tour very soon and uh, make a good impression. Um, but yeah, good start to the tournament there. A lot of people watching. I saw a lot of buzz on social media. So uh, next week, uh, I saw the I saw the lineup there. I'm not got it in front of me. But Joe Johnson was playing, and only he's playing, and obviously a few more players. So yeah, uh, that'll be Monday to Wednesday next week. Yeah, exactly. Late night viewing after the Greyhounds, so they uh, on, on sporty stuff TV. And uh, I found it very easy to go to that website and look at the stream on there. So it, you know, it's, it's not hard to find 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 various ways to watch it. And well, I'm not sure if you've got much else to say, Phil. I mean, we, it's tournament play all the way, isn't it? British Open underway on Monday uh, in Cheltenham. The English Open the week after in Brentford. In Brentford, bloody hell, Brentwood. Don't go to Brentford. Do not go to Brentford, okay? And to turn up at the stadium or roundabout, you know, that, that parish queue and roundabout Western. Where's the tournament? It's not there. It's in Brentwood. Very important to make that clarification there. But two really good tournaments coming up. And we really look forward to them. Lots of lots of viewing, lots of big news stories coming all the time, no doubt. We'll get a bit more of an idea now who's in form, won't we? You know, the season's starting to progress. Some of those that, you know, early informed players we'll, we'll see if they can maintain that so yeah really looking forward to it and uh, i think we'll just say to our listeners so happy viewing everybody hey eh? yeah absolutely yeah plenty to look forward to it's just going to be almost non-stop till christmas now so yeah dig in get get comfy on the sofa well hopefully if you get uh, if you're getting along to these tournaments so uh let us know what the experience is like in Cheltenham. we're always uh interested to know uh any sort of details you know how comfy are the seats what are their food situation like you know could you meet any players was there anything to do in the breaks um so yeah do give us a shout if you're down in Cheltenham. uh and as always thanks for listening here are you are you going to to one of those i know you mentioned you might be at one time yeah well there's um, a small debate going on in my house about who gets the car on Monday because I want to go oh, to right. Cheltenham to the British Open oh, and right. Bella wants to go to Manchester to a Shania Twain gig. So it's oh, a real classic head-to-head. Ooh. Do I get to go to Cheltenham or does she get to go to Manchester? I mean, we'll both be, um, you know, the train is an option. So there's heated debates going on at the minute, but uh, I might go for the afternoon and need to be back. We'll see. But, you know, Shania Twain in Manchester... It's a strong argument from my other half. Shania Twain or Ben Wollaston, they're both big entertainers in their respective fields. It's, and um, it's the classic contest, isn't it? I mean, households all over the world have had to <laughs> answer that question. Wollaston <laughs> or Twain? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, good good luck with that. We, you. You, you, you may get along there. I will hopefully be at Brentwood for at least one or two of the sessions after that. Great to see you, Phil. Have, have a nice weekend and, and week to come for the British. I'll, I'll join you next time. And uh, yeah, just look forward to the tournaments to come. And uh, yeah, I've enjoyed nattering away with Snooker with you as I always do. Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, good to see you. And thanks to everyone for listening. Keep your thoughts coming to us then on any Snooker matter. Some of those shots you can't get out of your head or if you're going to Cheltenham, want to let us know about it, please do. We always love those. Talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. We very much appreciate your company. It's uh, We couldn't do it without you. Well, we could, but it wouldn't be half the service, let's be honest. And uh, for now, Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network.